Welcome to People, Planet and Prosperity, a podcast series where we invite experts from inside Ipsos and elsewhere to discuss environmental, social and governance challenges from around the world. We ask them how their work is helping businesses to be more sustainable and how to adapt in a changing world. In this episode, my colleague Samira Brophy is talking to Nicola Kemp, who is the Editorial Director for Creative Brief and an award-winning journalist. They examine how the advertising industry has been changing over the years, benefits of inclusive advertising, and the challenges ahead. Welcome to another episode of the Ipsos People, Planet, Prosperity podcast. Um, so I am Samira Brophy, Senior Director of Ipsos Creative Excellence. And with me, I have the wonderful Nicola Kemp. Hi, Samira. Lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. Brilliant. Nikki, do you want to give us a bit about your fantastic background? Sure, of course. Um, my name is Nicola Kemp and I'm the Editorial Director of Creative Brief. I've spent the past two decades writing about creativity, advertising, marketing and business. I'm the co-founder of DICE, which is diversity in conferences and events. And I also work as a media trainer for Good Shout, um, helping women to find their voice. I've got a column in the Media Leader where I talk about women in advertising and women in media. And I'm really passionate about creativity as a power for good and a power for change. So I'm really happy to be here for this conversation. Thanks very much, Nikki. Um, it's really wonderful to have you on and you are um, very modest. Nikki is an award-winning journalist uh, in terms of um, speaking about this space. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to talk about advertising, arguably one of the biggest engines for social change there is, because ultimately ads tell us what is aspirational. It normalizes social interactions, um, between people basically has the ability to tell us what a good life looks like, right? Um, so this year, Ipsos chose uh, Virgin Atlantic See the World Differently as our ad of the year because they did such a beautiful job in terms of authentic portrayal and they've set a pretty high bar <laughs> on positive representation in 2022. It showed us the industry has come a long way, but I think we'll all agree that there's still work to be done. <laughs> Definitely. And I love the example that Virgin Atlantic and Lucky Generals have set with See the World Differently, because it's such a beautiful example of how diversity inside an organisation, diversity behind the lens, all of that can really drive creativity. And the paper that you wrote is so brilliant because it really brings out the fact that excellent representation is a really joyful thing. And you see that joy really come out in the advert and it's just a lovely piece of creativity and another brilliant proof point for how diversity drives creativity. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I and I think it, it really struck home when I listened to um one of my colleagues put together a podcast on Black Joy. And I think that was really the trigger moment for me to think about it when you think about representation of particularly in terms of race and how different races are represented in advertising. Um it feels like there is always uh, a portrayal of trauma and this is a, a lovely counterpoint and, and I think it's a story that needs to be told as well about what joy looks like and what that looks like for different groups of people told in an authentic way which is something I think this 
this ad just kind of nailed so beautifully. And I think just to pick up on on, on something you said there, Nikki, you talked about, you know, who is behind the camera. Um, what is your experience in terms of the industry um, on that, on being uh, behind, who's behind the camera, basically? I think that's such a brilliant question and such an important one. I think there has been a lot of progress with, within the industry um, in certain areas. You know, when we look at the data, we, we've, we're quite equal going through the industry, but we lose women in the messy middle. And then we have certain areas which are so key for creativity, where we have a really low percentage of women. So directors, female directors, I think that's a huge area. And obviously, female creative directors. At the moment, we've got about 11%. And that statistic just isn't moving. And there's some recent data from Creative Equals, which is a brilliant organisation, really pushing for change in this space showing that 88% of young female creatives don't have a role model. So data like that really shows me that we aren't making change fast enough. And when it comes to female directors, there's some incredible initiatives within the industry like Free the Bid. And I think if you look at shortlists, 50-50 shortlists, that's really, really changing. But then when you look at who's actually going to the next stage and getting the work, that just isn't moving fast enough. And I think there's still a real degree of risk. And when I look at sectors that I think don't advertise to me as a woman, so like the automotive sector, I can't help but see a red thread between the fact that you've basically got a really small pool of male directors directing all the ads, that there's very, very few female directors because it's seen as a risk to give somebody the opportunity to do something differently when really what we're seeing and what ads like see the world differently prove is the bigger risk is just staying the same and just not representing people properly. 100%. And this is before we even get into the topic of intersectionality, isn't it? Because that's a, yeah, it, it's it's a sort of, I, I would be so curious to see what those stats look like by not just a gender, but also an ethnicity kind of data cut <laughs> um, and it feels like overall there are sort of systemic systemic things that we need to address but the reason to do it is not just because it's about doing the right thing it's also about really making better creative right I mean as well as being better for business I think we have plenty of um, proof points that it's actually better for business. I think, well, the the Virgin Ad is ca a case in point, but um, we know that there are tangible benefits to positive representation. So it's not really a choice between doing good and doing well, um, because we've seen in our data that elevated portrayals of women are significantly more likely to drive positive business results. So the work that we've done with the See Her movement, uh, so Ipsos are the um, official research partner for the See Her movement. And from the analysis that we've done, we've seen that ads which featured females in a positive light performed in the top third of the gender equality measure database. And a brands that saw a likelihood of short-term sales sort of plus 24% and um, also a stronger likelihood of driving long-term brand relationships. So that's like 28% higher. So it's not just about doing the right thing. It's actually good for business. I think that those data points are just so powerful. And I still think there's a huge job to be done. I think 
that kind of work is really, really important. Uh, the work of the Unstereotype Alliance. Um, I think the UK as a market has been very progressive in this space with the Advertising Standards Authority having rules against gender stereotyping, which it's easy to forget they got quite a big backlash against those. And I think we, we're getting to a point where we recognise that stereotypes cause real world harms, but they also cause huge business harms as well, because there's these massive parts of the population that we just aren't representing in advertising, which sends the message that we don't value them and we don't want them to buy our products. And I think that's a really central issue. And sometimes I think the the problem that we have as an industry is that this is treated as almost a separate issue. There'll be a separate awards for advertising that targets women, which is insane when you think women are half <laughs> of the population, or, or separate awards to recognise ESG goals. Again, you know, most progressive businesses, I think of Reckitt, I think of Unilever, they are paving a trail to reorganise their entire businesses around those sustainable development goals. Whereas as an industry, we sort of patch it onto the side. And I think that needs to change a bit faster. Couldn't agree more. That's such a such an important point to make. Um, and, I, and I see this when I come across creative work as well from our clients where we kind of have a discussion about you're not making a sustainability ad or you're not making an ad about inclusion. You're making a brand ad. And this is part and parcel of the um, sort of fab. It should be part and parcel of the fabric of your business, really. And I think that's potentially why ads that do it well are so much more effective in real life, because it's it's not a creative compromise either. It's a, it's a creative booster because what you're basically doing is telling better stories and better reflecting your audience and thinking about the audience experience in a much more tangible way. So it's actually a creative booster. I absolutely agree with that. And I think it's so interesting as well when you think about how much we're changing and how much attitudes have changed. I think sometimes we think about things um, like technology as being key to innovation. But when I look at the most exciting innovation in this space, it's actually all around diversity, equity and inclusion, because you can really, really connect with new audiences that haven't been represented properly. I think I think about the Channel 4 research into disabled people in advertising, you know, 22% of the UK population is disabled, but just 1% of ads show disabled people. Brands are leaving billions of pounds on the table because they don't take DEI seriously and they don't see it as innovation. They see it as something that maybe is an add-on or an afterthought. Absolutely. And and here's a, a funny one, or maybe not so, so much of a funny one. When we look at our database um, around the use of humour in ads, so we know it's a well-documented fact that being funny um, and humour is a really useful tactic for an ad to stand out. But when you look at um, ads and split it by ads that feature men in the leading roles versus women in the leading roles, the ads with men actually use humor almost twice as much. Now that's super interesting, isn't it? And I want it. It just got me thinking about why. Why is that? And actually, what we saw when when there is humor employed um, in the ads that feature women, 
it they sometimes come across uh, as not terribly res- respectful so it made me think that the joke is actually aimed at the female character um there must be there must be a better way to do it where the humor is kind of uh more about the situation rather than the person featured i think that's such an interesting point and i think it is true that women are still the punchline in advertising i mean it's been a long time since the gina davis institute did that research which showed that women were predominantly mute humorless and in the kitchen in advertising but I think there's a massive opportunity um, to actually embrace humour. I love humour in advertising. I think it's such a brilliant tool. And going back to who's behind the lens, there's this incredible breath of fresh air of female comedians on TV, in film. I would love to see those women employed in advertising. I'd love to see them behind the lens. I'd love to see them writing the ads because we have this huge diversity of talent um, we're so lucky and if we employed some of that talent I think some of those problems would go away because it's it's almost if you don't have that behind the lens then maybe you're not seeing it it's not landing properly in the ad itself. Yeah and then if I think back on campaigns that really kind of stood out and I can st- that, that really appealed to me and I think of the brilliant um, campaign that Nisha Ganatra had put together for Viva La Valva. It was so, so good. And the womb stories one that, that followed after yeah. as well. It was just uh, such beautiful, powerful work. So completely speaks to the point you just made about, you know, the person behind the camera is such a big influence and it's such a big opportunity for brands. I think it's incredible the body of work that AMV BBDO have as an agency when it comes to smashing stereotypes, the creativity that they've brought into play with Blood Normal and Womb Stories has completely defied the category. I would love to see that level of category disruption in the automotive sector. I think that's so, so powerful. And I look at you know, the last lonely menopause campaign, I, I have to say, if I made an ad that good, if you were having lunch with me, there would be the pre-roll of that ad. It's just such a beautiful portrayal. And the insights are so rich. And I've got to give credit as well to, to your colleague, Karen Fraser, because years ago, years and years ago, she was talking about and doing research with UM, showing that women going through the menopause were not being represented in advertising. And it's, seven years later and the last lonely menopause has really punctured that silence with such creativity and the channel for diversity and advertising award that's been such a, an engine for change and i think the other thing that's really interesting about amv bbdo is everything they've done behind the scenes they have an industry leading life changes policy which really really elevates women at that messy middle of their career and supports them in super tangible ways. £500 a month when you come back from maternity leave, a dedicated menopause policy. It is phenomenal. I I cannot say enough what a brilliant job they do in, in that space. If I was a competitor of them, I would be ripping off their policies left, right and centre. They're fabulous. Uh, definitely something to be borrowed with pride, I think, for the good of yeah. uh, good of everybody. <laughs> that's, a, that's a better way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> um, brilliant. Okay, I think I think we're coming to the end of the session, and it it would be great if we can start kind of um, 
I guess, converging a little bit in terms of what do we want uh, brands to take away? What do we want our colleagues to take away? Um, you know, and, and, and what what can we tell them about making better, more effective advertising uh, and making sort of belonging and inclusion and bringing that joyful lens a little bit more of an everyday activity. Um, and, you know, we love a good framework here, yeah, Nikki. So, um, so so we have a framework that we use to help keep our clients honest when they go about thinking about making ESG advertising in general. It's about very simply, have you been true to the facts? Have you been true to the people? And have you been true to the brand? Um, and, and that just those three, um, you know, three phrases to help keep you honest on your journey. So let's start with being true to the facts. What can we tell people about, you know, here's how you can stay true to the facts when you, when you are tackling the creativity gap. It starts right at the beginning. So I think thinking about the brief, because all too often that's where the stereotypes come out. You're targeting a busy working mother. You've forgotten about the 22% of the population that are disabled. So I think inclusive briefing is really, really important. The other thing that I think is vital here, and a lot of the examples that we've mentioned, like Virgin Atlantic, um, Last Lonely Menopause, they worked with experts on DEI. So Virgin Atlantic worked with the Diversity Standards Collective and um, the Last Lonely Menopause campaign, they worked with the outsiders. So if you need to be true to the facts when it comes to your consumers as well, and like the great work you were talking about that Ipsos has done with See Her, having that rigor in your data and your understanding, if you want to be true to the facts, you have to understand your consumer group, which means you have to invest in research. Could not agree more, which actually brings me to the next part of the framework, which is being true to the people. And again, that goes back to the work and the rigor that you've just spoken about, because authentic portrayal requires a proper check-in and understanding of the group of people that you want to portray. So, you know, it's really about making sure that you're working with the right partners and bringing the consumer lens in and not relying on sort of boardroom assumption or sort of um, past uh, past recipes, I suppose, for effectiveness, because things are moving at pace. I would absolutely agree with that. And I would say invest more time and more energy in this process, because that's where the magic happens. You know, I'm obsessed with creativity and diversity as a driver of creativity. So I'm always talking to agencies and brands about how they achieve that amazing work. And often, it's the same with the last lonely menopause. There was this lovely qualitative insight that they'd asked this group of women to write a birthday card to themselves. And this one woman had written, you know, I won't be broken. And it's the time and the care and the attention that goes into not just the quant research, but also the qualitative research. So you actually really understand and respect the audience, your audience. And I think so much creative growth can be had in that space. Absolutely. Um, and that brings us to the final the final piece of the framework, which is about being true to the brand and actually thinking about, you know, not for putting the, the creative lens and making a brand ad aside. It's about thinking that it's not a compromise. It's actually a path to effectiveness. And we have plenty of evidence to, to kind of help brands, um, you know, make make a business case for better, better creativity. 
I think that's so true. And when I think about who are the most effective, impactful CMOs of our generation, and I'm thinking Tanya at SAT, um, Annabelle at Virgin, um, Alini at Unilever. These are all marketers. Oh, I've just named all women. I've just, <laughs> there's lots of marketers <laughs> that are really paving a trail for a new era of inclusive advertising that is effective. And it's also, it's solving another problem as well within agencies. When I talk to agency CEOs, their number one challenge at the moment is staff morale. All the advertising we've talked about today is advertising that you are so proud to have made that has made a positive difference for the brand that you work on and a positive difference for society. It's not an either or. And I think that's such a powerful proof point. And I love how you're amplifying that through the incredible paper um, that you did on See the World Differently. Thanks very much, Nikki, and thank you for joining us on the podcast. Um, it's been such a pleasure to get your really rich and kind of long-standing wisdom and experience. Um, and it, and it's great to see sort of all of your and hear about all of the examples of brands and clients and agencies doing a fantastic job in this space. We have further to go, but I think I think we're going to get there. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great discussion. Thank you for listening to this episode of People, Planet, Prosperity. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to the Ipsos Views channel wherever you get your podcasts to listen to all the previous episodes and to get notified of any future episodes. While you're at it, please like and share this episode with people who might be interested.